A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi, this is comedian and depressed alcoholic James Nokise, and you're listening to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower, a podcast about headspace and happiness. From my safe place, the shower, with fried chicken. This episode, I'm chatting to serial entrepreneur, public speaker, and the first guest to bring their own gown to the shower, Janine Crossan. We'll chat about economics. You've got all these companies that are acting in this way. You have a much more detrimental impact on your entire economy. Endurance. Resilience isn't a personality trait. It's a cup that needs filling. And excellence. My initial reaction being completely creeped was you've got amazing (laughs) but Some of this will get a bit real. The language, the subjects. So make sure you're in a safe space with your comfort food. And join us, eating fried chicken in the shower. We've never had uh, an entrepreneur uh, specializing in in tech uh, on the show. Cool. Uh, And we're really looking to monetize uh, (laughs) what we're doing here because all I'm getting from this is fried chicken. So how how will we go about improving the fried chicken model to to become independent of the government money before they do the next budget? It's funny because we used to, um, when the influencer space um, was all about trying to get people money and commercialize what they do, and of course the terminology was always you can't eat lipstick because everyone will try and send you lipstick um, to get to, <laughs> but you can eat chicken can eat so chicken <laughs> what, what, what chicken point. have we got what chicken have we got um, so this is Karagi chicken mm-hmm. which I understand is from um, was it Zulu uh, Zuzu, 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 Zuzu. Zuzu in Mount Eden yeah. uh, which apparently is the best Karagi chicken in Auckland oh, and, and, wait wait, wait. Oh, oh yeah yeah Oh, you bought Japanese mayo. You have to have Japanese mayo, right? Also, I'll just say for our, for our viewers, <laughs> uh, if, you, if you are listening to this and you haven't watched it yet, uh, Janine has raised the stakes by being the first guest to bring her own robe. <laughs> Uh, because now I'm not just some creepy dude in a robe interviewing yeah. people. You got a robe too, and you color, you color match, which is more um, coincidental and um, per chance as opposed to I went out of my way. Uh, you know, so um, the robe is the robe that it is, which I recently got gifted on the back of a. I had a pretty serious operation a few months ago, yeah. and um, one of my husband's colleagues sent this to me, and I was like, Oh my god, you're the best person yeah, in the that's world. Great, great <laughs> gifting. Yeah. Um, also, I'm just going to point this out only because fans of my stand up well, will appreciate that you are also in a all pink suit oh yeah well uh, I'll probably which, end up taking a laugh for us to go hot, get hot but yes this is the the all pink yeah which is <laughs> awesome any, any fans of goddamn fancy man will have enjoyed uh, that particular moment <laughs> let's get into this chicken Ooh. is this business chicken is that what we're eating is this business chicken I like it serious chicken serious chicken <laughs> mm. is it good really good alright let's get a nice this is lovely mm. now this is good I want to talk about um and the pressures that um, you would face in your job. Because I think that's very interesting when we think of, yeah. and stereotypes as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I think you, you obviously know the pressures of your job, but I don't know if the, your general public, when they think of 
stand-up and entrepreneurs are hmm. sort of freewheeling. <laughs> you know, they think because you know, the lifestyle. Big, yeah, the, the big examples, of course, are your Bransons and your Musk, hmm. and you know, you think of like these men who are just freewheeling all over. But you know, hmm. it's, it's not as, it's not quite hmm. as simple as that to go ahead and go. I'm going to start a company. Off we go. Well. <clears throat> The reality is that it is um, simple to say I'm going to start a company and off we go. It doesn't mean it'll succeed. Right. <laughs> you, know, um, you can you know, very easily register a company and, and off you go. But um, you're not wrong. And I think that's probably, it is one of the hard parts of doing it, is that people don't understand how many different elements there are in there that you have to get right mm. all the time in order for it to be successful. Mm. And the definition of a success is, a, is an interesting one. Um, I recoined that last year and I called it success because I think that's what success um, asks of us in this space is it requires to suck every part of it out of you first. Yeah. <laughs> and it can just inherently just suck in general. So, mm. um, Could you briefly tell me what NZ Girl was? <laughs> uh, NZ Girl was an online magazine mm-hmm. uh, and we operated that for 18 years. Uh, it was a commercial model based off advertising and then it morphed into creating Bloggers Club, which mm-hmm. we were the first... Uh, influencer agency, and um, mm. so we commercialised the likes of um, Jordan with How to Dad. Right, um, right. Um, so yeah, and I retired all of that with a nice, neat bow uh, last year and beginning this year with Bloggers Club. Fantastic. Mm. And what is flossy? Ah, so that is not a brief answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I've got some more. Chicken. Yeah, you do. Um, so the, the the short answer is flossy is a software company that specialises in front end. Uh, UX technology and what that means is that we have built really beautiful tools that customers can use to make bookings for hair and beauty appointments wow. in the New Zealand marketplace that looks like um, a series of apps so iOS and Android you can download them onto your phone and we integrate with dozens of different software systems um, to pull data out and we retail those services in this app and you can buy them within 30 seconds so basically the you can make an appointment within 30 seconds and mm-hmm. four, four clicks mm-hmm. which is just awesome is it exhilarating is there oh, an yeah. exhilaration to it absolutely there's nothing more satisfying for me than coming up with an idea seeing it through to execution then having people use it and then them repeating back to me just how great it does what I hoped it would in the beginning and you're um, you're a veteran of this right? <laughs> I mean like you know in, in the nicer sense like, um, like you've you're not just someone it's who's quite lights and <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean you started up like what, I was 20, 20. Yeah, I'm not 20 anymore no. I know it's hard to believe I'm 41 actually next month right yeah I, I mean I started in stand up when I was 20 and it's, like, there's some instant parallels in terms of it like you've got to do it because you love it oh yeah and it will suck up your life absolutely um, but then you keep going and, and suddenly you're not, you don't feel that old and everyone's looking at you like you're a veteran <laughs> well it's funny one of my best friends is Claire Chittam and um, we speak a lot of the parallels in being, being an actor and doing what I do mm. um, very similar yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things that you do that are in the very same space of you're continuously putting yourself out there for criticism and emotionally and the investment required in what you're doing, um, the, getting people to support and back you through this. And, you know, just there's a whole variety of things. And there's just a very entrepreneurial spirit, I think, within actors and mm. also um, a very acting spirit in entrepreneurship, in entrepreneurship yeah. in the way that you do need to kind of turn up and bring it and, you know, convince people and... I remember we yeah. used to say um, in, in stand-up, 
with deep respect to uh, my actor friends mm. uh, who were clicking on this link to keep me in business. Um, <laughs> we always said the difference was that actors will throw themselves fully into a project full of passion. Mm. Um, comedians always have one eye on the pay as well. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> but it's, yeah. when I hear that, if it's not too cheesy, is, is entrepreneurship sort of that blend of business practice and passion? Mm. We'd like to think so. And that certainly I think the su- successful ones have to have that blend. Um, if you don't have a business mind, you won't succeed in it, and then it becomes a hobby pretty quickly. Right. Is it that first one? Is it all exhilaration, not much fear? Well, I liken it a little bit to um, the kids going down the uh, the ski field. Right. You know, as an adult, you watch them go past you, and you're like, oh, <laughs> don't hit me. <laughs> um, but they don't think about falling over, of mm. course, because you know they don't they they have no plans to yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, so I think you know creating a business as a, as a kid because it's mm. really art 20 mm. um, is a little bit like that you don't worry about um, the the possibility of uh, you know running out of money or mm. um, not being able to um, feed yourself or any of that kind of stuff and, and I now also reflect on the fact that I obviously had privilege within that in the sense that I knew I could go and turn up at mum and dad's place and they would feed me if I needed to yeah. you know yeah. um they weren't going to get me out of um, any uh, pickles. I, yeah. you know, I had a mortgage already at twenty as well. Um, wow. Yeah, it was. It was. Grant and I were pretty, pretty good at saving, and we were high, pretty, you know, hard workers. But mm. again, we we had the privilege of being able to get the one of the parents to, you know, underwrite the mortgage, which was always the thing, right? You know, yeah. like they were the guarantors so that that got us in. But um, we, man, we lived on baked beans for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and, is, and is there a bit of pressure when your parents get involved in like the mortgage yeah. and that? Like, yeah, oh God, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I know when my, my family back in the early arts days, you know, they give you some cash and we don't come from money. So I'm yeah. like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't come from money at all. So yeah. it was very, very much like you realize that this is our retirement that you're screwing with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't fuck it up. <laughs> Eating fried chicken in the shower, always make sure to dress appropriate. I wonder if you could speak to that, to the danger of putting yourself in mm-hmm. in a situation where you, you don't fit. Oh, I'd drive them insane. I would have told them how to do everything all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I've never worked for anybody. I mean, like since, since I was a kid, yeah. I've only ever worked for myself. And so I wouldn't be very good at being in a corporate organisation. I want to go too fast. I want to change too many things. Um, and, you know, whilst I'm completely capable of hearing, no, we shouldn't do it like this, have you thought about that? And I'm, you know, I know where I've done my own things wrong. I'm not so good when I hear other people say it all the time. <laughs> so yeah. I get really frustrated yeah. with people who aren't able to kind of see how potentially there's another way to go about stuff. Because um, my whole world has been about getting out of your own way. Right. It's always been about how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we get there? Can you elaborate on that, getting out of your own way? <laughs> Well, I think it's such, it's actually quite an important piece of, I think, from a mental health point of view, and I think it brings into so much of what we um, talk about within our own home as well. You know, we've got um, three girls, and so much of what we're trying to teach them is that really life is about being able to figure out how to get out of your own way. Because mm. realistically, we tell ourselves stories, right? Mm. And um, we believe things to be true. And then a lot of people get quite stuck in, the, stuck in that, and they're unable to move themselves from that. Um, my, so Scotty, my husband and I are um, it's probably the complete opposite of that as individuals and you work really well together um, in that we are both really comfortable with change, we're really comfortable with things moving all the time, we're also very comfortable with not being right Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, is, that, is that rare in the business field, like being comfortable with not being right? I think in entrepreneurship you have to be if you want to succeed, you actually have to be able to go, oh man I got that wrong I wonder how else I could go about it and let your ego go 
Right. So that's the centre of, of um, getting out of your own way is you have to be able to get over yourself. Isn't it like a, a philosophical mm. opposite to fake it till you make it? Because I'm, I think yeah. when we think of entrepreneurship, mm. um, and maybe this is just a generation I've grown up, but you're mm. always told, you know, fake it till you make it, you know? Yeah. And, and look, there's an element of that that's, um, that's valid in the sense, you know, when I turned up at 20 into advertising agencies to get them to buy ads that were going to be on NZ Girl, mm. um, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know ad agencies existed until that <laughs> point. And I certainly didn't know there was any kind of hierarchy. I mean, mm. I just bolshily turned up in my pink suit. Yeah, <laughs> great. Big uh, uh, Yeah, exactly. And um, told them what I had was the best thing since sliced bread and they needed a part of it. And I wholeheartedly believed it to be true. Um, so I guess it depends on where you see the line of fake it till you make it, right? Because yeah. I certainly was having to pull up a whole bunch of confidence and walk in there and do things that um, I didn't know how to do. Yeah. And so you could argue I was faking it, but I totally believed it was possible. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm interested definitely. Where do, look, you're 20 years old. Mm. Like, regardless of your situation, how do you find that confidence? Where does that confidence come in? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because I think, for me, that's probably always been my little superpower. And I, I think right. superpowers are a really interesting concept for me. Like, yeah. I think as you get older, you realize that superpowers are the thing we have to try and protect. Yeah. You can't have them all. You're probably yeah. only going to get one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'd be lucky you get a couple. But um, either way, they're yours to protect. And for me, um, being able to you know, stand up in mm. front of people um, who I don't know and tell them why I think what we've got is, is great. Mm. And, and, and actually not just be able to say that but then you know I can walk that talk as well and I can mm-hmm. deliver it and so I feel com- the confidence comes from I know that I can get out of my own way I can help other people get out of their own way to deliver a product I know how to do that I feel really great about being able to do that it doesn't mean it's not hard it doesn't mean it's not full of pressure mm. but I know how to do that so that superpower gains traction mm. over time um, and so of course you know you can get to 40 we've had 20 years of experience of that and I know what hurts that superpower and I know what helps it but it is what allows me to do what I do with Flossie on the other side of the world. Um, I do a lot of travelling and I stand on a lot of global stages as, you know, tiny little entrepreneur from New Zealand. What are the, what are the pressures that come with that for you? Because Flossie's a company. Yeah. It's not just you yeah. and a website. No, I don't know. Yeah. And so do you, do you go into those big stages and, and feel that pressure but then have the confidence to shield you from it or do you just ignore the pressure? Uh, I, I think if you ignore pressure, that it... It probably smacks it in the butt later, so <laughs> you have to actually acknowledge it. So part of it for me is recognizing what's good pressure and bad pressure. Mm-hmm. So my co-founder and Flossie, Stephen um, Torrance, and I uh, have our own set of philosophies within our business mm-hmm. in the way that we want to run it, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a there's an unfortunate reality in the startup industry, which is a burnout culture. Right, and particularly when you're, you're venture backed and you've got other people's money in there, there's this obviously this enormous amount of pressure that you deliver, hmm. not just a little bit of return on investment, a substantial return on investment, and um, and you know that's that's really acutely felt. Hmm. Um, but of course, that manifests for a lot of people as the uh, unless I'm working um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days hmm. a year, hmm. um, I'm I'm not giving it my all. Uh, and so that that that's a that's a really dangerous place, and I think Silicon Valley, you know, really drove that mentality mm. of you know people sleep on the floors of the offices and the uh, nutrient shakes. That's yeah, what I was the goo. Yeah, exactly. We treat them like astronauts that can't leave. That doesn't sound fun at all, and that doesn't actually. It's not sustainable, and of course, you can't live your life like that. But yeah, I I think in New Zealand we are not great with burnout culture. Oh God, no. Yeah, because we say that means if we weren't tough enough, you couldn't handle exactly. it. Exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, listen to the, the, the news. I like, gave it on the weekend. Uh, one of the rugby players, I can't even remember which game it was, and he had split his head open, and he was blood was pouring from his head, and he played on. And yeah. the way they they yeah. you know reported what was a like, bloody legend. Kind of like, yeah, uh, health risk, yeah. <laughs> not just to himself but to others. <laughs> like, that seems just really daft. Anyway, so the, the philosophy that Stephen and I came up with is that we're going to run the startup the way that we want to do it, and the people who back us, you know, need to buy into that. And mm. if they don't, they don't have to back us. Simple, cool. simple as that, really. And um, and I think we've proven our tenacity. Uh, we haven't been here seven years and, and mm. done what we have and got to where we are. Um, we've proven the fact that we're not slacking off. It's just, um, you know, we just have to protect each other. And, and so it's a, it's a strong part of my um, leadership within the business is, mm. is looking after the team and mm. making sure that they don't burn out. Um, and this week is a really good example of that. We've got a massive launches happening everywhere and mm-hmm. everyone's on a lot of pressure. I'm like, okay, cool. So you can have a massage and you need to take a week off. And <laughs> what can we yeah. do to just kind of come back down a peg or two? So so actually that nicely comes back around to the beginning of this. And so around the pressure and for me, resilience is part of this conversation. Um, and um, I guess the lesson I've learned um, the hard way, because, mm. you know, they're the best lessons learned, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, is that resilience isn't a personality trait. Yeah. It, yeah, it's a cup that needs filling. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm. And um, if you don't protect it, um, it's um, it basically it, it packs its bags and it marks off. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and leaves you unable to deal with um, the pressure. Mm. Um, so... So that's something that I've learned to get better at. And uh, now we kind of get into the real nub of the philosophy I have around this. Um, so all of this leads to, I believe, that my superpower is 2% of me. Right. And this 2% is what I have to protect. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, like 98% of everything else I do, mm-hmm. pretty much somebody else could do. Right. You know, you could hire yeah. extra people in to do if you wanted to. You could give somebody else a task to do. So much of what I do within there could they could do. But there's a special 2% secret source mm. that it's mine for now. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that I can teach somebody else that secret source ongoing or identify somebody who has some similar secret sources and I can bring our sourcinesses together in that way. But um, but for me, that protecting that. And for that looks like um, ensuring that, excuse me, man, <laughs> could I get chicken? makes me burp. <laughs> it's good. It is good. <laughs> Just letting it all come out. Just brings it all out. Yeah. It's coming with a hot air. <laughs> um, is that they, so how, what, for me, what gets in the way of protecting that 2%? That's when I pile on so much pressure that I can't see it any longer. Mm. And so then I've worked out that the only way to protect that is to um, do the things around me. So for me that's like riding my bike. Mm. Uh, it's like spending time with my family. That's spending time with my husband. It's, you know, we're not working ridiculous hours. It's connecting with friends. Connection is a huge part of all of that. Yeah. Uh, and then my 2% has a chance to flourish. And then I come back with brilliant ideas and, um, you know, good leadership and, and all the things that are required. But when I'm not doing that, it gets swallowed. Eating fried chicken in the shower, the trick is to not overthink it. Because you've got flair. I think that's what, uh, no, we haven't met before, Janine, but I'm enjoying the flair. <laughs> is, is flair important yeah. to entrepreneurship? I think so. I think particularly the kind of entrepreneurship that um, that I do as well, where you know I work in a beauty tech industry, so um, it has a whole bunch of flair around it in the first place, right? Um, and then on top of that, 
software technology that has flair. Mm, mm. <laughs> uh, and, so, and there's also a lot of people out there. So um, you've got to stick out somehow. And it's not, I don't necessarily like wear a pink suit to deliberately garner attention so much as prove the point that I don't really care about wearing a pink suit. Is it like in the arts? Is it is it, is it an expression of your character? I, a little bit. Um, it, it's. I think it should actually. What it should say about my character is that I'm not afraid. Yeah. Mm. And because I'm not, I'm, I'm completely comfortable with being in the situation of being possibly the only person in Auckland that wears a pink suit. Or so it would seem. <laughs> that's how I get treated when I'm here. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So so I think flair is not something you can necessarily work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm probably. Lucky in that that's probably part of that 2% secret superpower source. Yeah. Mm. And that helps with the fear as well. Does it help mm. with, um, you know, when we talk about walk it off, mm. which I guess is kind of tied to burnout, but mm. when you've got a bit of flair and you fail, mm. is it? how does that help you? Does it help you? Yeah. Um, I guess for me, I, I you know spend time thinking about failure from a positive point of view. And I know we... we I, um, demonize it right mm-hmm. but I think there's also an opportunity to use it the other way which is uh, the only way I've managed to get to here is because of all these things behind me right mm. so um, I'm, I'm not I'm not scared of failing in that way and I'm quite comfortable talking about it yeah it scares most other people I think so I think we're tied <laughs> to self-worth don't we yeah like when we I think there is a narrative that to fail is yeah. is to decrease your worth. Yeah, and, and yet I think that you actually increase it because you become so much more self-aware and cognizant of, of all the various parts of who you are. Yeah, because, I mean, especially in the arts, we always say in stand-up, you don't know if you're actually going to be a stand-up until you have died on your ass, until yeah. you have created just this horrible vacuum in a room where you leave and people aren't even angry. They just want to check you're okay. <laughs> Until you felt that just crushing void right. and go, yeah, I could give it another go. Yeah. <laughs> but have you have you had that kind of crushing um, blow in, in, in your in your ventures? Um, you don't have to you no, don't have to name I, it, but I'm curious about how you responded to it. So, yes and no. I, I think I've had the 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 crushing end of failure, um, but I, I likened more as I found myself very much in a corner that I didn't feel like I could get out of. Right. And and that corner has felt the most pressure I've ever felt in my life and it has felt suffocating and mm. um, isolating. And, of course, I did that whilst having IVF at the same time. Oh, wow. So, you know, there's an existential crisis going yeah, on, yeah. you know, getting closer to 40, um, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Um, so, my, so, so I guess for me, from a pressure and, and failure point of view, I had a big melting pot cauldron of all of those things happening at the same time, right. you know, and that I uh, was at the the pointy nubby end of a startup you know running out of cash mm. um needing to very desperately show that it could um continue that it had reason to that people should keep backing it that we were making progress mm. which we were but you know far mm. out as i work in there and doing that at the same time of um figuring out what i wanted with my life and who i was and how that was going how i was going to deal with the grief of not being able to biologically have children mm. and you know, there's all the stuff that goes with that, and it's so hard to explain. And all of those come into failure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it was uh, you know, probably the beginning of last year. What I'd say would be the the, the darkest, um, awful period of time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that pressure, that IVF pressure. Mm. I mean, I appreciate it more now because I'm heading towards forty, and so. Mm. 
you know, when I'm younger, it's kind of go, oh. but as you get into that, when you see that window in your friends, yeah. uh, in, you know, the people you care about, yeah. I don't think that's a pressure we talk about enough. No, and the funny thing is, um, it's all about framing it, right, and getting comfortable with it. And mm. I've kind of moved past that bit and, and go, God, it's such a privilege to get old. It really is. I know it's a, a sentence that's used no, a lot, no. but it really is. That's a lovely sentiment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah well, it's, not, it's not just a sentiment. It's no, a truth. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it is a true thing. It is yeah. a privilege to get old. Because you think mm. about the people who have died, it's better than the alternative. And, and, that's true. And, and say, you know, obviously, this is the, you know, the, the basis of this conversation is mm. the people who choose to opt mm. out, right? Mm. Um, I've had a couple of friends in the last couple of years, and it, it just blows my mind that and, and for different reasons that they've got there mm. uh, and, and some have been extraordinary mental health issues that have been mm. long-standing their entire lives and the part of me that goes oh god please that they're at peace themselves yeah and it's like that's a hard conversation to have in new that zealand is, that you know, is. we don't have that conversation at all no i mean as, as a as a survivor of suicide myself i've have to, i always point back to when people ask it's going it's just a lot of psychological pain Mm. Uh, and I look back on the, the my two attempts are very different from each other. But mm. I look back, mm. and I go the the only thing that's really similar is mm. this massive amount of psychological pain. Mm. That's um I think, and you just want to get away from it. Yeah, yeah. I think that everybody I've ever spoken to about it would say it's the same thing. It's an interesting position to be in. Um, you know, and I and I have openly talked about it. It's it's fascinating coming back to talk about it again after trying to kind of close the window and talking about it for a mm. while because I sort of felt like every person I was running into were going, are you okay? Oh, and yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The <laughs> love of God. Enough of the are you okays. Like, especially with the head tilt yeah. and, and the eyes that go with it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do, you get, do you get the other one where now you've spoken about it publicly, people want to come and talk to you about their things? And... You know, and I'm really happy that people feel comfortable doing it because that's the mm. point. Yeah. So, so, the, so the story basically goes that um, uh, how I outed myself in all of this is I had read an article um, by some person in the States who I didn't know. And I happened to, within my tw- Twitter feed, seen this link and I clicked on it because the headline read um, how raising $2 million in funding really went. And mm. I went, oh, let's look at that. And then, you know, basically by the end of reading her article, I was bawling my eyes out because mm. she'd been incredibly um, vulnerable and honest about the fact that it was one of the hardest things she's ever had to do in her life. Mm. And it was incredibly difficult and pressure filled mm. and in all sorts of ways it just about broke her. Um, and I had been writing because I love writing and mm. I had um, been pulling together these things. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. I sort of figured out one day I might read, write a book. Um, <laughs> too small a town to really write what I want to write. Yeah. <laughs> I know where yeah. all the bodies are buried. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I've seen that aside. Um, yeah, yeah. I had um, started writing um, and so I, I remember sitting there and I think I'm just going to, yeah, okay, polish that off, right. Mm. And it took an hour, basically, from reading hers mm. to publishing mine was an hour. Yeah. And mine was entitled, um, you know, How Raising $5 Million Over 13 Rounds of Funding um, Nearly Killed Me. Um, yeah. My own fault for sensationalizing my own headline, <laughs> because, of course, it gave everybody liberty to do the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what I talked about within that, it was the the pressure I, I had felt that over a long period of time to getting to this place. And so I'd found myself after, you know, pretty much 20 years of, of doing startups to be on this pedestal as um, um, uh, considered a superhero of the startup space, mm. afraid to fail. Right. And that if I fail, basically, 
if Flossy failed, I failed. Right. And so for me, if my business failed, I was doomed, and I didn't know how to—I didn't know how to handle that. Mm. Uh, and of course, you add then the layers of what we talked about, you know, IVF mm. and other people's money and running out of cash and all the other things that go with that. Yeah. And then I had a bunch of things that were just not healthy around me, not helping things. Mm. And I didn't have some some good advisors. I had some pretty poor ones, and mm. um, people not necessarily looking out in my best interests. You know, I, I'm a mother mm. that looks after everybody else's all the time, mm. and there was no one really doing that for me. Um, and I just got to a really dark point and, and to be honest, all it was is I, I just remember lying on my bathroom floor, crying my eyes out, you know, ah. lining up the, the sleeping pills. I had no intention of taking them. I just, mm. I was threatening myself. Mm. It was, it was probably more of an empty threat to myself, which, you know, some people yeah. take a bit further as well. Yeah, and yeah. I, and, and I wasn't in that space. Of course, that nonetheless becomes quite a sensationalist part of the story, which was in this blog that I had written. And, um, you know, I talked about how I how I resolved that. Um, and so I blew my quarter up and what it was, was publishing this article. Yeah. And so I published it and then I was bawling my eyes out. I was on my office floor at home and I, thought, oh, I suppose I should tell my husband about writing that. <laughs> <laughs> He's in China at the time. Oh, gets this no. text message from me and just goes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And I felt very exposed, I felt very raw, I felt mm. very judged, mm. and I likened it to finding yourself um, naked in the town square, but mm. realising that I had walked there voluntarily throwing all my clothes off. Yeah. Um, it was really hard on Scotty, because he hadn't volunteered to take his clothes off, and mm. I threw them off for him, and everybody yeah. kept coming up to go, are you okay? And yeah, he hates yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So that was really hard, and then at the other side of that, of course, came the light, and what that meant is that the people who weren't with me were against me, they were gone, yeah. and that was great, and I was able to go, ah! with a bunch of people get out of my life and it created really awkward but courageous conversations mm. and then this newness happened and that newness was that I had thrown myself off my pedestal I had license to be whoever I wanted to be mm. I could do it however I wanted I was no longer afraid of failing within that I'd separated myself from my business I'd taken back ownership of myself and I'd opened myself up to conversations with people in a way that I'd never done before mm. and suddenly I felt connected and I I resolutely believe mm. that connection is the antidote to isolation and that is what is creates at the end right we feel so isolated mm. we're in our corner on our own no one understands it yes no exactly and yeah. you are in the right place to be talking about sitting on a bathroom floor crying <laughs> eating fried chicken in the shower we're not here to judge we're just here to share a meal i mean do you, and do you feel lightened Oh, that. I felt infinitely like the weight of the world had been taken off my shoulders. Um, I think it's an interesting one I have to, I have to protect as well because um, it got sensationalized a little bit after that. You know, yes. various media pick it up, they give it their own headline, and then suddenly before I know it, anyone that ever researches me, that's the first thing they find out. And right. it's not ideal when you're trying to convince international clients to back you for a you know, fairly substantial amount of money to do mm. substantial things, and they go research you, and the first thing they see is, Know, you know, blah, blah, blah on the bottom of her floor. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that probably looks a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I have the same thing with my alcoholism. There's another call out there, we won't say who by, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty high on the Google search list. Yeah. And it, it does. It's confronting. And I think especially when you've, when you've spoken openly from a place. Of integrity we, and love. Exactly. Mm. Uh, to, have, to have that happen. Mm. How do you, in the now, how how do you mentally 
cope with that frustration? Yeah, well, actually, to be honest, I've reached out to each of them and asked them to do so. And I've gone from that same place and said, um, this every time I see it, it makes me feel um, not great. And actually, I have kids Mm. who research me as well and they Mm. have friends who do the same Mm. and I'd like them to not be triggered all the time as well so Mm. can we figure out to make this how make this more positive rather than sensationalist and Mm. I'm happy for these conversations to still be had and I'm happy for them to be part of my story Mm. I'm not trying to hide from that Mm. Uh, I'm just asking that we um, create a little bit more sensitivity around it than potentially has been applied. I think is that, that's the least <laughs> that can be done. Yeah. You had your moments, you had mm-hmm. you, you had that dark moment, but you didn't you didn't go, Well I've got to I've got to quit this. You're yeah, still going. No, yeah, you're no. still you're still going strong. So what what I would you say to people who change uh, the game plan. Yeah? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Because it's not about not doing it. Well, at least it's not making you happy. Right. Right. But for me it wasn't about that. It was I wasn't happy with the how I was doing it. That's what I had to change. So I had to I had to change my game plan around. What's some you stuff know. you've done yeah. to, to uh, change that up? So I think by just being really honest and real about it is probably the starting point, right? Yeah. And, and continuing to honour that that conversation is is critical, and and holding myself and others in my team accountable for that same way because mm. lots of them are. Um, their own worst enemies of working really, really ridiculous hours and um, not switching it off and never feeling like they've achieved. Because this is the kind of business, the reality is, mm. there's always more to be done. Yep. So you're not going to be able to get to the end of the day and go, tick, done, <laughs> start fresh tomorrow. You know, there's always more. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel very strongly about protecting everybody in that space and then leading from the front on doing it and showing them that I, I, I don't do really long hours any longer. I have mm. a balance in my life that's required and that is so that I can bring the best of me to the table. Get out of your own way. Get out of my own way, exactly. <laughs> Get on my bikes, you know, go to the kids' sports, um, have date night with the husband, you know, hang out with my friends. Date nights? Yeah. Lucky I know. <laughs> but, I'm, but, but I'm interested how to do date night when we live, you know, 14,500 kilometres apart from each other. I yeah. think that's going to be a bit more challenging. I think sometimes when you've got the kind of job that you have, especially where you just, you've got to keep going, yeah. keep going. There's no resting. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, you know, oh, well, we've done this. It must be great. Yeah, but I've got to get the next thing done. You actually do have to pause, don't you? Yeah. It goes back to that conversation around um, making sure you're protecting your team because otherwise they get burnt out. Because you are continuously always on going, 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 going. And you go, stop. Take a moment. And let's breathe. We did great. Yeah. Now let's move forward. <laughs> because what you're talking about is good business practice, right? Absolutely. And do you think that... Sustainable. Sustainable business mm. practice. So in terms of mental health, mm. um, do, you, do you see that as being something that, that affects the economy? Because I don't know if that's a sentence that we... It's one of those sentences that we don't necessarily process. Mm. Mental health affecting the economy. Well, it does, because, you know, if I think about what would happen at a um, micro scale within my business, if um, I let that go too far, right, I would I would lose core staff members. And so that turnover affects a business negatively. There's plenty of science and research that backs that um, point up. You know, hiring people and getting new people into your organization is really expensive. Apparently costs like three times what you might pay someone. Right. It costs you that mm. to, to be able to bring someone new into your business. So... So that, at a micro level, is impact it has a macro effect mm. as well. So all of these, if you've got all these companies that are acting in this way, you have um, a, a much you know more detrimental impact on the entire economy. You know, we're losing good people all the time in this country. Uh, you know, we've openly talked about um, my friend Mark Singleton who committed suicide two years ago, who was the head oh, of yes. Cotton On. Mm. You know, four thousand employees, and mm. you know that. The negative effect on so many people was extraordinary, and my heart just 
hurts thinking about mm. um, all of that. And I, I adored him. He was such an amazing man. And I wish that we could have protected him. But I do believe that if we'd had the right services in place that we, we might have been able to catch him better mm. than, than too many people were having to be as catchers mm. who were not trained, who were, who were not able to be there all the time. We need the professionals to be able to help with that. So I think there's a, there's a disastrous effect on our economy um, at an individual level, at a company level, at a community level. There can't be any positives that are coming out of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. I'd like someone to try and argue that the positives of the mental health <laughs> industry, there can't be any. And it's, unfortunately, it's, it's not an industry, and yet it kind of actually needs to be. Mm. No, so um, we've been, we've, we have a therapist we go see. We've proactively um, mm. gone to see one in uh, advance as I'm moving to Paris in January. Mm. Which is pretty exciting, uh, but I'm taking our 17-year-old with us, so Scotty's oh, feeling very much like I've just like, said, I'm going, I'm taking. Yeah. <laughs> so but we've been proactive about having this conversation because all these things lead to having moments of crises and, um, yeah. But again, it's that good business practice because I, mm. I often think what you're talking about, holidays, therapy, like they're not just... Nice-to-haves. Yeah. They shouldn't be privileged. They should be part mm. of the job. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's that's mm-hmm. a, a definite dialogue that they are actually as much a part of the do- job as the nine to yeah. five or whatever your insane hours are? Yeah, exactly. No, I try really hard not to work in insane hours, except for the fact that I work in two time zones. And, and so <laughs> <laughs> I have to t- I have to tell myself to check out so that I don't worry about my email overnight because yeah. otherwise I'm aware they're awake doing stuff and you know and vice versa no matter where I am. But how, um, what a privilege that is that for me, and then I feel very, there's, you know, there's guilt that is attached to that, that I get to run that in my life like that, that I get to go and proactively spend money with a counsellor to have a conversation about something that I'm worried might happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. that's, proactive is awesome, yeah. but that's a, it shouldn't be a privilege. It should be something that uh, you should be able to go to the doctor as part of our um, healthcare system and talk about what is going on in your head in the same way as what's going on in your throat or any other part of your body. And, the, you know, the public health system has paid for a lot going on in here. Yeah. As if I give, you know, yeah. I had a hysterectomy this year, so there's right, a, there's right. a lot, lot missing. Yeah. So many jokes on that, but you probably shouldn't go there. <laughs> uh, if whatever makes you feel comfortable. You all right? Yeah. Eating fried chicken in the shower, perfect for home, holidays, and everything in between. Do you think, um, in, in terms of mental health, do you think that the business sector, your sector, mm. starts, is, is improving in its conversations? Or is that... <sighs> Slowly, Slowly. surely. I, I think there's a little bit too much topical at the moment. Yeah. You know, I certainly felt last year I got rolled out a lot. <laughs> um, hey, at least we quick, fed you, man. Quick, we need man. someone with mental health problems. Janine, or do come over here. Janine, <laughs> <laughs> you know, can you just talk about it and scare everybody into having to do better health and safety policies around mental health well-being? And of course you don't no. want to be the frightening <laughs> no. person as well. No, I've had, I've had that and it's like, what do you do? I try and be joyful. And it's like, yeah, I mean, as a general rule, I'm a really happy person. Yeah, <laughs> just that's how I roll. I've always have been, and it's interesting. The stigmas around that are just huge. Mm. Which I'm sure you're, you know, you're more than um, attuned to. But and people don't know how to distinguish between all the varietals in here. Like mm. they assume that therefore you've been suicidal your whole life. Yeah, you've only just now told everybody yes. about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to, for me, it was very situational. I was, I was in a really shitty situation that I allowed to become a really shitty, shitty situation. And, um, you know, that's something I take responsibility for. Mm. And now I'm taking responsibility to take control of that and for the people around me so that that never, ever happens again. Mm. And that also goes to the kids in my life. Um, you know, so we're 
this week, every night this week, we're taking the kids out individually for dinner at the place of their choice. It's a little bit expensive, but I'm not going to be here around for a while. So no, we're no. kind of figuring we're spending all the money at one time. Yep. <laughs> um, and that's because, you know, we're aware of there's a lot of change in our house. Mm. I'm not going to be here as much. How do they feel about that? What are they excited about? What are they worried about? Mm. You know, Maddie, who's a middle child, turns to us halfway through dinner last night and she goes, so pleased you decided to do this. I feel it's feels really good. <laughs> like, and that's the kind of family yeah. we want to have, you know, yeah, where we can have really honest, raw conversations about where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. How are you really feeling? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, my, my father did something similar because I, I tell him in the traditional artist way uh, through my work. Yeah. <laughs> you make jokes about yeah, the yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents love when I write about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, this is, this, uh, it's, it's for my work. It's for my yeah, work. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, is, yeah. There, is there, we do this for everyone, is there anything else that you'd like to share in the shower while you're here? Mm. <sighs> Gosh. There are so many subjects. Yeah, <laughs> like, go, go to town. We have all I've got, day. Yeah, we've got, we've got some chicken on these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's such a broad um, broad question because there's always things to be shared. Um, yeah, like, uh, I, 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 you know, I feel very strongly that so much of these things are interrelated to each other. And we're really, um, I think what we're guilty of in New Zealand particularly is putting into buckets of... Um, almost a silo as opposed to seeing how it all comes together mm. you know and, and so that's why I talk about this philosophy of getting out of your own way because if you know I was a keynote speaker at the foodstuffs conference in Queenstown on Friday and that was my message to them you know it's mm. 350 new world and pack and save owners you know mm. basically the people with all the money mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. but they, they, there's a lot of reason for them to be um you know, worried about what's going to be happening next in their space because there's lots of changes and and being comfortable with change is really crucial. Mm. But actually being comfortable with change goes to the basis of almost every pro- problem we face, isn't it? Mm. In every part yeah. of our, our lives. Mm. Um, and I don't know if we talk about that enough because it's the convers- basis of the conversation around climate change, around kids, around um, innovation, um, uh, just you know, and mental health. And all this mm. stuff comes to change. Right. And, and how you are okay or not okay with it. And then so much of that then comes back down to ego. Right. Uh, yeah. And I think that's probably the one I end up spending a lot of time talking with friends about uh, is what are the things that they have told themselves to be true mm. and then they hang their hats on and then they've just kept going down that path is what they know about themselves. Mm. And how many of them have really challenged themselves to be okay with it, not necessarily being what they really are, who they really are. And so you think part of the conversation moving forward is about us being able to do that introspection on our egos, mm-hmm. not being afraid to, to mm. see what's underneath the, that initial yeah. facade. Or even asking it loud. Uh, so yeah. The husband was on a retreat for a work thing recently and he sends me a text message. This is an R16. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's whatever you need it to be. We, 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 it's a mental health podcast, so we always put the right. This episode contains triggers of. Yeah, if you are married to Janine, you may wish to not watch this. Episode. Especially if you're the third husband. Uh, <laughs> uh, so sorry. That Porsche that really me. worked. That Porsche really worked, didn't it? Really it did. Normally it's in reverse. The guy gets the Porsche, yeah. scores the girl. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. 
Pink suit, big yeah, Porsche. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it kept breaking down. I couldn't afford to keep it. <laughs> I had to sell it. Um, anyway, um, so, so he sent me a message just saying, why are we friends? And like, can I have some context? <laughs> uh, he said, oh, I've been asked to, as part of this thing that we're doing to um, ask the people who are closest to me what the, what are my the reasons that you're friends with me. Mm. My initial reaction being completely creepy is you've got amazing <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want that to be recorded down? That is an amazing compliment to give to national radio. <laughs> there, are, there are partners listening to this now. Just going, just going up to like, can you just listen to this? Can you listen to what yeah. she just said? Why aren't you saying that? Why aren't you saying that in public? I'm just now thinking about my Google rankings. <laughs> oh, they're going the up of this. They're going up of this. <laughs> Amazing how comfortable you can get in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, he said, I think it's something I can share with the group. And I said, yeah, it's probably best you don't share that with the group. uh, Where was I going with this? Oh, right, yeah. And so anyway, what I really loved about this thing that they were doing is um, they were trying to get each of the individuals to hear this feedback about themselves, both the good and the bad, and be able to take that on board and figure mm-hmm. out, you know, some sort of, this sort of yeah. stuff. Um, and I just don't know if we do that enough as, as individuals, yeah. you know. I think we've become quite around on things. So, um, yeah, I encourage people, you know, to openly, as scarily as that is, mm-hmm. embrace finding out the good bag and, and the ugly um, and um, seeing if you can help that make you... Pave through the crack to get out the other side. What's the other saying? Do the mahi, get the treats. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 That's Do, cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, Janine Croissant. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming Absolute to the show. Absolute pleasure. Eating fried chicken. <laughs> My regards to your husband. You're <laughs> <laughs> never going to forget me. <laughs> Are you kidding? You're getting the best Christmas present. <laughs> Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower was produced by Charlie Bleakley and presented by me, James Nokise. The engineer is Blair Stagpool. The executive producers are Justin Gregory and Tim Wapkin. Subscribe to our podcast however you just found this podcast. Or if you're listening on the radio, go to RNZ's podcast page and look for the chicken. And when you're rating us, only give us five stars. Remember, more stars, more chicken. If you want to share your safe space or comfort food, tweet me at James Nokise. If you need support, text 1737. Or for more resources on mental health, check the fried chicken webpage on the RNZ website. Fafdailava Matewa. Here at RNZ, we want to continue to deliver independent, high-quality content for all New Zealanders. And we're keen to hear from you. So we've set up a new research community called Your Media Matters. It's a place where you can share your views about program or content ideas, podcasts and topical issues. We'd love you to join. To sign up, head to rnz.co.nz slash yourmediamatters. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.